If you would take your Bibles this morning and turn to Exodus chapter 20. The first four of the Ten Commandments teach us what our response to God should be like. As I said earlier, we're kind of swapping number four and number five, being today is Mother's Day. And uh, in essence, though, I am going to be preaching to us as children and what our response as children need to be towards our parents. But the first four of the Ten Commandments teaches what our response to God should be like, while the last six of the Ten Commandments teaches what our relationship to fellow man should look like. In essence, we are to love God supremely and live to bring Him glory in all we do. And likewise, we are to love our fellow man. So as God's word, by this shall all men know that we are His disciples by our love for one another. But our love for God must be priority. However, if loving God isn't priority, we will not and cannot effectively love our fellow man. So this morning I'd like to talk about our love for fellow man, and specifically I would like to focus our discussion on those that we are closest to, our family, and more specifically our children. And as the fifth commandment exhorts us to honor our father and mother. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer before we get much further this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be here. We thank you for your love to us and your care and your concern. Lord, just for the freedoms that we have to be here. And I ask God that your Holy Spirit would have the freedom to work in each and every one of our hearts as it ought. And I ask God that we would respond with humility and a uh, willingness, Lord, to draw closer to you and become more like you, and ask God that you would, uh, Lord, just for a few moments this morning, allow us to not be distracted by the things that are going to happen afterwards or the things that we're looking forward to later this afternoon, but just to focus on what you have for us this morning. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I would like to start this morning by saying that I am concerned. I am concerned that our families are falling apart before our eyes. And if I could be so blunt and honest, men, by and large, it's our fault as men. God has called us to be the leaders of our homes. God has called us to set the standard. God has called us to lead by example in our homes. And if something's not happening, we can blame it on culture, we can blame it on society, we can blame it on the busyness, we can blame it on a whole host of things. And there may be some elements of truth to them. But ultimately, the blame goes on us as men. Because God has called us to be the leaders. I don't always like that. Because I'm busy, I've got things to do, I've got agendas, like many of you. But we cannot shirk our responsibility as fathers, as men in our homes. And over and over, God reminded Moses to teach his children. In fact, just for a few moments, I know I told you to turn to Exodus chapter 20, and let me just read that verse. Verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So we are to honor and obey our parents, children. But men, it's our responsibility as godly men to teach our children. In fact, if you turn back just a few chapters to Exodus chapter 12, In verse 14, we find a familiar passage that we looked at just several months ago. 
Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14 says this, This day is to be a memorial for you, and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You know, he's talking about the instructions given for the Passover and what was going to take place. But as they looked at the Passover time period and what that was all about, what were they remembering? What were they celebrating? All the mighty works that God had done. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have much to celebrate even in this day and age. I am so thankful that I don't live in another country, a third world country where they fight for just an ability to take care of their family, where they fight for an ability to just have shelter over their head, where they fight for an ability just to survive. We are blessed, are we not? We live in a great land. Well, as I look at this, we have much to celebrate. And as we think of all that God did, as God brought each and every one of the plagues, and as He brought them through that, as He brought His miracle after miracle after miracle, they were to celebrate what God had done. It says, celebrate God's works. What does that mean? It means that we as parents, and it says for generations, that means one generation is to tell the next generation is to tell the next generation what God has done. And if we're honest with ourselves, men especially, if we know Jesus Christ and we know the work that He's done in our lives as men, we had something to talk about, and somewhere there's been a miscommunication or a lack of communication altogether. Because if the next generation doesn't know, we haven't done our job. And that's just blunt. We have a responsibility. And then they come into the Feast of Unleavened Bread in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 17. He says, You are to observe the festival of unleavened bread, because on this very day I brought your divisions out of the land of Egypt, and you must observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent statute. He said to observe it through generations. That's not just one person saying, well, praise God, look what he did. No, it's one generation telling another generation, telling another generation what God has done. You go down to verse 26 and 27, he said, or verse 24, he says, keep this command permanently as a statute for you, and your descendants. So one generation was to keep it for the other generations to follow. His descendants. Verse 25. It says, When you enter that, the land that the Lord will give you as He promised, you have reserved this ritual. And when your children ask you, What does this ritual mean to you? You are to reply, It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for He has passed over the house of Israel, Israelites in Egypt when He struck the Egyptians and spared our homes. So the people bowed down and worshipped. So as they would hear what God had done, it would cause them to worship God all over afresh and anew again. And then in Exodus chapter 13, beginning with verse 14, he says this, In the future, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, by the strength of his hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn male in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of man to the firstborn of livestock. That is why I sacrifice to the Lord all the firstborn of the womb that are males, but I redeem all the firstborn of my sons. So he goes on and says, this is to be a reminder. This is something that is to be talked about. This is something that is to be remembered and celebrated from generation to generation to generation. How is that accomplished? 
I mean, do you have set Bible study times in your home where you sit down with your kids and say, okay, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, is Bible study time? I mean, how does this work? I think it's very simple. I know about you, but I struggled with family devotions for a lot of years. And it's partly because of my monkism. We'd be sitting down trying to have family devotions, and one of the kids, Jake when he was younger, or David, you know, who was distracted very easily like his father, or Andrea, they'd be off doing something else. And I'm like, come on, this is Bible study time. You know, and I get really frustrated, like, forget this. They're not even paying attention. And then I would start over a month later and try to do it again. It was so hard. Anybody, anybody, anybody have struggle like that sometimes? Yeah, the more kids, the merrier. But I mean, you got one doing over this over here and one doing this over here and one doing this over here. And it's like, I'm talking to thin air. Why do I bother? I found in life that there's something a little more simpler to all this. It's just talking and talking and talking. I know in my life, as God has brought different things to my knowledge, it has not been through a formal academic setting. It has been through an individual saying, Ken, have you considered this? Hey, Kenny, did you think about that? It was my youth pastor underneath the bus on a Saturday morning with rust falling in our eyes saying, Ken, did you think about this? It was out on the lawnmower and my youth pastor flagging me down saying, Hey, Kenny, did you think about that? It was the simple conversations of life that now I'm having with my kids. It's the teaching opportunities, the teaching moments. And I love it when Jake comes to me once in a while and says, Dad, you know, I was praying about this and God did this. And yeah, right. That's, we're getting it. But it's talking about who God is and what He's done and keeping the presence of God in our homes. And that's sometimes not easy. But men, it's our responsibility. I'm not saying don't have family devotions. Strive for it. I know it's difficult. I know it is. But take the teaching moments that come our way. So we as fathers were to teach the children about God and what He's done. If God is not taught in our homes, how can we expect our children to honor God in their homes? Do I about that? If we don't teach our children, the world will. Think about that one. If you don't teach your children, the world will. And if they don't know truth, the world will tell them their version of truth. And they may believe it. I find that there are things in my childhood that were just given absolutes for me. There are certain things that you just didn't do. And I find out with each generation, what used to be an absolute is now just a good suggestion. Because the world is starting to teach their version of the truth. And the next generation is beginning to believe it. And that's why we must anchor in God's word. So it tells us in our text in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother. The word honor, what does it mean? I've given you a couple of definitions over the last several years, but let me give you a, a literal definition from the Hebrew. Literally, kaved is a Hebrew word which means heavy or weighty. It is the word used in the Old Testament to describe the glory of God because of the weight of His majesty. In other words, there is weight, there is value. And that word kaved means to honor. So, 
What do we covet? What do we honor as parents? It's to give your parents due weight. And this is where I said I'm talking to you as children. I'm talking to you as teenagers, young adults who still live at home. To honor means to give weight to your parents' words. When your dad says something, when your mother says something, it means to consider what they are saying with words that have weight to them. It's not flippant ideas. It's not flippant suggestions. It's not a flippant idea that just, well, I'm just going to throw it out in passing. If they say something, put weight to what they say. It means to put weight to their thoughts and opinions. Well, Dad, I realize that's what you used to do 30 years ago, right? Because it worked. And just because it's old doesn't mean it's old-fashioned. Some things never change. Some things never need to be changed. Give weight to their opinions. Advice and wisdom from years of experience that you don't yet have. What I would give sometimes to call my dad and just say, hey, what do you think about can't do that anymore. I remember the first year after those years, some of you, I grew up deer hunting. I can remember the first year after my dad passed away and I shot an eight-point buck. And I took my cell phone out of my pocket and I was about to dial his number and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Can't do that. And, you know, and that was my normal ritual every season was to talk through that day with my dad. Couldn't do it. Value their thoughts, opinions, their life while you can. How about even the rules and guidelines, teenagers, young adults? Why in the world do we have this rule? It's for your good. Well, I don't get it. You don't have to. I don't understand it. It doesn't matter. It's a rule and a guideline. I can remember jokingly saying to my mother when David or excuse me when Jacob was about three years old or two years old, whatever it was, he wanted a piece of candy and my mom was at my house and he said, I want candy, I want candy and I looked at Jacob and I said, No, no candy. We're about to eat in a few minutes. And my mom kinda of looked at me and she says, Oh, give him a piece of candy, ain't gonna hurt nothing. And I looked at my mom and I said, You had four perfectly good opportunities to raise your kids any way you wanted to. Now butt out, it's my turn. We laughed about it. We joked about it. But you know, when advice is given, when a rule is given, our job as children is to obey it. We may not understand it. We may not think it's best. We may not agree with it. But it's right to do because that's what God's Word says. So even in the rules and the guidelines, give weight to them. Give weight to them. And then authority. Give weight to their authority. On my own, man, I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it comes down to do what you want outside our home then. Because God has established a set of guidelines for us to follow. You know, in Scripture, teenagers, children, God has really only given you two commands to obey specifically. Specifically, he says to honor and obey. That's it. 
only two rules to follow in all of life when it comes to your parents. Honor and obey. And yet it's so difficult at times because we are selfish. I speak from experience. I'm selfish. I want what I want. So honor is the respect, esteem, regard, give value and weight to their leadership because they are your God-given authority. The opposite of honor is to dishonor. The opposite of respect is disrespect. The opposite of value is devalue. And can I just say, there is no middle ground when it comes to this. Either your heart's in it or it's not. So consider what God's Word says when it comes to dishonoring parents. Say Some of you know exactly where I'm going to go with this. Can I just bring it to our attention and say I'm glad that we don't live there? Leviticus chapter 20, in verse 9. It says, if anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or mother. His blood is on his own hands. Wow. Did they take that serious or what? I don't think I'd be here. I have to humorously say it, and it wasn't too humorous at the time. Uh, When I was a teenager, and maybe some of you did this because maybe I think it was a generational thing. So those of you that are close to my age, some of you. My dad would tell me to do something. I'd go, Tch. anybody remember that? The little, Tch. the kind of the, the eyes go up and the, the and the. Tch. My dad, he said, I can remember him saying as if it were yesterday. If I hear the little Tch one more time, I'm going to slap it out of you. He never would, but it was funny listening to it. Tch. The disrespect. How does a child curse his parents? By dishonoring what they say and what they believe and what they've established for you in their home. And that's pretty pretty harsh when he says, if anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death and his own blood is on his hands. Why? It's not a parent or someone else punishing him. When it says his blood is on his own hands, you know what that means? Nobody did that to him. It is a consequence of a choice he has made. He did it to himself. It's not somebody else. You get the language here. If anyone curses his father and his mother, he must be put to death. And then it goes on to say, if he curses his father and mother, his own blood is on his hands. His own blood. In other words, it's not somebody doing this to him. It is a result of a choice that is made. He did it to himself. For years I've told parents, no, 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 there is no guilt. Your child should not guilt you into doing things. That doesn't work. Well, you did it when you were, when you were 16. Big deal. That doesn't mean it give you authority to do it. Just because I was dumb doesn't mean you have to be dumb. Just because I did something stupid doesn't give you the right to do something stupid. No, we learn from our example. Learn from our experience. Learn from what we know is right and true. And sometimes I have parents say to me, say, well, if I, well, I told them if they do this again, this, you know, I was going to do this. I said, no, well, wait a minute, no, stop. 
Every choice has a consequence. And this consequence has weight to it. If you choose to do it, you are accepting the consequence along with the action. It's not me punishing you. This is the result of your choice. Now you know. Consider Deuteronomy chapter 21. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 and 19. It says, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father or mother and doesn't listen to them even after they discipline him, his father and mother must take hold of him and bring him to the elders of the city, to the gate of his hometown. And they will say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He doesn't obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city will stone him to death. You must purge the evil from you, and all Israel will hear and be afraid. So how does the child show rebellion and disobedience? By not giving weight to all his parents have said, and to their leadership. I think God took obedience pretty seriously in those days. I still think he does. So isn't this just some harsh Old Testament observation, some harsh Old Testament exhortations? Turn your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. <coughs> Excuse me. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verses 1 and 2. I'm in 1 Timothy. No wonder that doesn't make sense. says, but know this, difficult times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of selves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, and so forth and so on. You see, in the last days, we're going to see more and more of disobedience. More and more of an attitude that says, I'm going to do what I want. More and more of an attitude that says, I don't have to listen to anybody. You're not my boss. You're not my authority. Do you realize in the last several years, there's been a new trend? My mom was telling me about it in Minnesota, where children are going to court to be emancipated from their parents, to be, quote-unquote, divorced from their parents. And they are winning the court cases all over the place. It's a trend. Are we living in the last days? I would kind of think that we are. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 says this. My son, keep your father's command and don't reject your mother's teaching. You want to honor your father and mother? Obey what they say. Honor what they say. Make it a point of um, who you are as a person to do what's right when it comes to your parents. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 3 says this. It says, Each of you is to respect his mother and father. You are to keep my statutes. I am Yahweh your God. Do not turn to idols or make cast images for gods for yourselves. I am Yahweh your God. What's the preeminent thing? Honor God, honor your parents. Worship God. Do what's right. Colossians chapter 3 verse 20. Scripture full of references that deal with this. 3 verse 20 
says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. We're going to come back to that one just in a moment. And then Ephesians, chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents as you would the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, so that they may have a long life in the land. So, children, we have a clear, clear command given by God to honor our parents. It's in our best interest to do so because there's promise with it that you may live long in the land. But what's it say about us as fathers? I think everything in life has reciprocal actions. In other words, if I do something, there is going to be a like response back. I've said it for years. If I will love my wife the way God has called me to love my wife, I have no doubt that she will likewise love me the way God has called her to love me. I have no reasonable expectation for her to love me if I don't love her. That's just fact. If I love as I ought to, the reciprocal action will be that they will love in return. I think that's very true in Scripture as well. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Don't stir up anger. That was a hard one for me early on. Maybe it was for some of you guys as well. I said to do it, and I mean now. I will. Then get up and do it. I'm trying to get up off the couch. Well, do it. That's how you stir up anger. By being impatient. By being roughshod and pushing your authority around. How does that work? Jake, does that work very well when your dad does that? Yeah, don't answer. Life is learning. The scripture is true. We can exasperate our children or we can do what's right. In Colossians chapter 3, once again, it says, verse 21, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. I know that there are some times when parents put such unrealistic expectations on their kids in the name of rearing them right that they just do nothing but discourage and bring them down. And that's not biblical either. There's a way to do it. So as I said, we're directing this sermon today towards children. How do we not keep the fifth commandment as children? I think, first of all, by disrespecting, by back-talking or muttering under our breath. You know what that is? Hey, I want you to go, blah, 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 blah. Disrespect. Dishonor. By doing what they have expressed for us not to do. I think we're good at that sometimes because we are our own people. We can do what we want because I can do what I want on my own person. How about by flagrant disrespect? By outright disobedience? Can I just say it comes down to this? Anything that we do not add weight to concerning our parents' leadership is dishonor. 
And so today we are honoring our parents. We're honoring specifically mothers. But as children, I hope that we will honor our mothers, especially in a way that they would be blessed because of what we do. I want to close by turning to Proverbs um, chapter 31. I don't know about you, but I know that the mothers that I know in my life, my mom, my wife, I look at my grandmothers, they were wonderful, wonderful examples of hard workers. I don't know of anyone in my family that kind of just sat around and was lazy. They were very hard, studious, unbelievable women. But it says in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 28, it says, Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. It says, Many women are capable, but you surpass them all. And then it goes on in the middle of verse 30, But a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor, and let her works praise her at the city gate. Her children will rise up and call her blessed. When does that happen? When we are walking in fellowship with God as children, when we are giving weight and value and honoring them as we ought and recognizing who they are as parents, as God-given authority in our lives, it says that they will be blessed. I want to close this morning by doing something we haven't done a lot. And, uh, and my one concern in doing something like this is sometimes that we don't have full families here, and that's okay. But I want to close this morning by just having us come together as families, each family kind of squishing together and praying together as a family for just a few moments. And uh, if you don't have a family here, that's okay. You can kind of scoot in with whoever's near you. That's fine. But I want to just take a moment and just thank God for the families that he's given to us. And then after just a couple of moments, I'll close in prayer, and we'll stand together and sing a closing song. So let's just take a moment, scooch into where you're at, and pray together as a family. As children, can I just encourage you, there may be some circumstances in your life that aren't right between you and your parents. Maybe today would be a good opportunity to apologize, ask for forgiveness, and make a commitment to honor your parents afresh and anew. Maybe this morning might be a good opportunity just to once again commit your heart to God in your obedience and your faithfulness and respect to your parents. But let's especially lift up our moms this morning for just a few moments, and then I'll close at the end. Let's go ahead and take time to do